Rick Dalton. It's my pleasure, Mr. Schwartz. Call me Marvin. Put it there. That your son? No, it's my stunt double, Cliff Booth. Last night, we watched a Rick Dalton double feature. <laughs> All the shooting. <laughs> I love that stuff, you know, with the killing. A lot of killing. Anybody order fried sauerkraut? No, I'm a stuntman. Look at me. So you still direct, huh? Still here. You can do anything you want to him. I hired you to be an actor, Rick. Not a TV cowboy. You're better than that. Line. Cut! Embarrass yourself like that in front of all those goddamn people. <laughs> All right, what's the matter, partner? It's official, old buddy. Well, it has been. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Lucky Dog Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com. Why is that funny to Jay over here? I was going to wait to introduce him, but he's Jay. We got Jay over here with us today. How you doing, Jay? This is my buddy from uh, college, longtime friend, and uh, he's a television movie watcher as well. You like a little bit of pop culture, like a little bit of Tarantino in your life. That's right. Uh, introduce yourself, Jay. Uh, my name is Jay. Um, tell us, tell us some of your uh, genres: TV, movies, stuff, stuff mm, you like. You know, I like mystery. Mm-hmm. I like drama. What are you watching recently? Um, I just finished. I just finished the movie yesterday. It's a a Quiet Place with uh, the guy from The Office. Jim. Jim. Uh-huh. I thought that was a good movie. John Krasinski, I think his name is. Directed by him, too. Yeah. I thought that was, that was good. Right. Um, and then before that, I had finished Stranger Things Season 3. Oh, excellent. What did you think about that without any spoilers? Um, it was a good one. Okay. Uh, I think it was better than the second season. Agreed. Um, a, a lot of people didn't like the second season compared to the first, obviously. But, but those are the two. Right. I've recently been watching. So. Excellent, excellent. Have you done any uh, researching on uh, your Tarantino films? This is his ninth film that we're getting ready to discuss today in spoiler-free section. Jay has not seen it to, uh, yet, but he's seen the trailers, I believe, right? Seen the trailers, and as soon as you see Tarantino, I think I think you get hype for another another film by him. Another one. Another one. So I'm excited to go see it. I think I'm going to go see it today, actually, tonight. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so. Taking the girl out, right? Uh, no, actually, I'm going to go with my pops. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, the boys' night the, out. The boys' night out. Uh, we'll, we'll see my girlfriend tomorrow for okay, yeah. something else. It's, it's kind of a, uh, what I was telling you a little earlier. It's a thick movie is what I would call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a way, uh, I made the analogy like a, like a burger, you know, a nice, thick, juicy burger that... Uh, it tastes good, but you don't want too much meat mm-hmm. on it, right? Mm-hmm. So this movie is uh, 2019 rated R comedy drama, two hours and 41 minutes. Hmm. So it's got that uh, almost in-game level feel <laughs> to it. Uh, almost uh, what wins it over kind of thing. but uh, Yeah, it, I mean, in a way, this is possibly Tarantino's in-game, one of his mm-hmm. last few films, actually. Um, I don't know if you are aware, but he's been speculated to say that he wants to retire after 10 movies, and this is his ninth, um, yeah. written and directed. Yeah. I went back and checked out Jackie Brown, 1997. Have you ever seen that? I have not. Mm. I think it's one of his top films, and no one ever talks about what, it. What number is that, what movie-wise? That was his third movie he wrote and directed, according okay. to my notes. Uh, he has gone back... Sorry, he's directed over 10 movies, but he's like co-directed other things with right. other people. So that of movies he's written and directed, I believe it's his third. Okay. Which okay. is impressive. Yeah. The first three, I mean, the first one, Reservoir Dogs, 92, Pulp Fiction, 94, Jackie Brown, 97. All three of those are classics in those my opinion. Those are classics, everyone, I feel like. Yeah, but Kill Bill was uh, volume one and volume two and 03 and 04 are considered one movie. Uh-huh. Um, 
Have you seen Kill Bills? Yeah, yeah, seen um, both. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember them enough to give a fair critique on them right as of, as of right now. Yeah, I feel like you need to watch them uh, recently to kind of be able to to give a fresh take on it. Right. I definitely don't know how a lot of his movies. Um, I'd say they age age okay, mm-hmm. uh, uh, with the exception of. Django Unchained, maybe. Eh. Uh, did you see Grindhouse in 07? Because um, I have not seen that. I have not seen it either. I don't even. I, I haven't even heard of that one. Yeah, that was Grindhouse. Yeah, written and directed by him, and apparently there's a sequel that was uh, only produced by him. He didn't. He was not involved really. Mm. Um, and Glorious Bastards in 09. That's a classic. So I'm. I think I'm one of the people that is on the opposite side of. Uh, Inglorious Bastards. How so? I I didn't see it in theaters. I wasn't much of a World War II Tarantino head at the time. Mm-hmm. So the only thing that was really grasping me toward the movie was um, Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. Yeah. So okay. And I thought he was he he played an interesting character in that. You know, it, it was definitely different. He was kind of like the macho, laid back, right? We'll, we'll kick your ass, kind of. Yeah, kind of character. Yeah, you know who I liked in that movie who was was, was the, the the head German guy. The head German, uh, Christoph Waltz. Yeah, I think that's him. He's I think he did a good job acting. Mm. That's who I remember from that movie as yeah. well. Um, Django Unchained was twenty twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, I I like that movie. I think it goes a little bonkers in that third act. <laughs> <laughs> I like how they do acts. I like how it, that's his style. It kind of gets you um, prepped. Right. It's it's very classic storytelling mm-hmm. form of storytelling mm-hmm. um and so that led into the hateful eight his eighth movie in mm-hmm. 2015 what do you think about that hateful eight you know i remember seeing it but I, i'd have to rewatch that one again um mm-hmm. but what would you think of it i thought it was one of his one of the best looking movies he's done uh, from cinema uh, cinematography standpoint, mm-hmm. just uh, the landscapes were gorgeous and beautiful. Yeah, the story did feel a tad uh, meandering and not monotonous a little bit. Okay, so I, in a way that I think it could have used a nice edit, mm-hmm. and I'm aware that that movie was uh, released to the the script was released to the public, so he had to do a rewrite on it. Mm. So I feel like that his eighth movie was kind of botched because of things that he didn't have power of. Oh, okay. Other people were putting their hands in. Well, yeah. I mean, his script was was uh, leaked and everybody saw it before the movie was made, so he had to go back and I oh, think he... Oh, okay. So he kind of changed the story okay. after, the, after, the, uh, after everything the was... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see. So this brings us to number nine. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood... We are bringing back some of his favorites. One thing about Tarantino is he always likes bringing back um, actors he's used before. Yeah. People, right, you know, not just uh, people he's worked before, but like cinematographers and stuff like that. Oh, okay. You know, people behind the scenes. Um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is featuring, uh, what is it? Let me see. This thing's reloading. Um, It features Leonardo DiCaprio as Rick Dalton. Brad Pitt as Cliff Booth, and Margot Robbie as Sharon Tate. Um, I kind of wanted to just stop right there because if I mention anyone else, it might be like, "Oh, I didn't want to hear that. I mm-hmm. wanted to see. I just wanted to see them on screen." That's fair. So I'm going to save a large chunk of the people that are actually in it as well. Okay. Um, for maybe spoiler section. Okay. So uh, Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth. Let me give you a quick uh, synopsis. A faded television actor and his stunt double strive to achieve fame and success in the film industry during the final years of Hollywood's golden age in 1969 Los Angeles. So this is, uh, like I said, bringing back Brad Pitt from, what was it? Inglorious. Uh, Inglorious. Mm-hmm. And Leo from Django. That's right. And... We know they can work really well with uh, Tarantino, mm-hmm. and we know they can work well without him. But putting them together is just like it's the cheese on the burger. Yes, you know? there it is. That's <laughs> yeah. a good way to describe it. Yeah. So um, naturally, I think these these two actors have fantastic chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, Rick Dalton is actually supposed to be kind of a loose stand-in for Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who was actually supposed to be in the film but uh, passed away 
before I think his scenes were shot. Oh, that's right. Because how long ago was that? I think it was like a year or two ago. A year and a half year or and something a half. like that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so he's trying, he's kind of playing um, Burt Reynolds in his uh, late years. Mm-hmm. And Brad Pitt is playing Cliff Booth, who is the stuntman. For the character Rick played Dalton. by Rick, yeah. uh, Brad Pitt. Le- uh, Leo. Oh, Leo. Leo is the head. Is oh, the, the star. okay, 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 okay. Leo plays the star, Rick Dalton, who is the. The kind of the burnt out star. Oh, okay. So okay. he's kind of figuring out that, you know, they're going for younger, fresher actors. Right. And it's kind of like the circle of life. Yeah. In, you're out. Yeah. On to the next. And uh, which is interesting. I like that specifically because these actors, Leo and Brad Pitt, are kind of in real life. Mm-hmm. In those situations, mm-hmm. I mean they've they've been acting. I don't know how long now, decades. Uh, yeah, decades, <laughs> t- t- like twenty, thirty years in some yeah. some cases. Yeah, um, I think Brad Pitt was early eighties or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, but yeah, the, the chemistry is phenomenal. The writing is is totally on point. He gets some of the greatest um, performances from unknown actors I've even seen, like people like child actors mm-hmm. and um people on the side that you don't really um they compliment the main actors correct okay. thank you thank you mm-hmm. um that's why we got jay here kind of accentuating you know adding in some good filling some in good, the blanks some good commentary so um let me see what else who we have as the cinematographer robert richardson who also worked as a cinematographer on um a private ward 2018 i don't know adrift 2018 unfamiliar Return, 2017. Sounds like these are kind of documentaries or something yeah. like that. Live by Night. That was a terrible uh, Ben <laughs> Affleck movie that got shat on. Ben Affleck. He was also working with Tarantino on The Hateful Eight. So this okay, is they've his, had yeah. prior work together, right? And they've also this cinematographer actually worked with uh, uh, Brad Pitt on World War Z. Oh, so. He's uncredited, though, which is interesting. He's also worked with Tarantino on Django Unchained in 2012. Uh, Hugo, that one animated movie with um, Steven Spielberg, I think he I think he was the director in that or mm-hmm. something like that. Or Scorsese, sorry, Scorsese was. Um, so, oh, and he worked with Leo on Shutter Island. Uh, on you 20- know, I want to see that, yeah. and I haven't seen it, but I've heard it's a good twist. Uh, makes you think, kind of like Inception. It's, uh, yeah, I'd say it's more psychological than Inception. Okay. Because even though Inception's pretty damn psychological, which mm-hmm. is, I'd say, one of my top five movies of all time. Same. Um, I still think it's a little bit more straightforward than Inception. Oh, okay. Okay, so you're not really kind of having to figure things out behind the scenes as you're watching it? Right. I think... Inception has much more mechanical base. You understand things that are happening. You're like, uh-huh. oh, the music means this. Uh-huh. The, the machine does this. Uh-huh. They have to sleep because of that. Uh-huh. You know, Shutter Island is much more wavy in between the lines. You don't know what's real. You don't know what is oh, real. That okay, kind of okay. thing. Okay. Uh, I, I'm kind of searching for the word. Um, no, you're good. But uh, I think you get what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um and this was also the same director for uh, director of photography, cinematographer, same thing, mm-hmm. um, as the guy that was on Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. So this guy obviously has worked with uh, Owen oh, Leo with The Aviator, Kill Bill. This, Ooh, this, the Aviators. Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, we don't have to go into that one. He channels a little bit of his Aviator performance from this. Okay. He has a little bit. Of, was uh, was it uh, Howard Hughes? Mm-hmm. He has a bit of Howard Hughes sprinkled in with this. The, okay, so it's. Uh, it's a little bit of Howard Hughes meets, uh, I, I guess, like a burnt out, burnt rills, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that's Leo's character. Mm-hmm. And then you have Cliff Booth, who is uh, the Brad Pitt character. And he is much more, I wanted to say it's a combination of like a Matthew McConaughey meets uh, Aldo Rain. Interesting. You know, the Inglorious Bastards character. Yeah. So he is kind of like, all right, all right, all right, <laughs> but I'll whoop your ass. But he'll <laughs> knock you down. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's he's very much uh, the hitter. 
you mm-hmm. know, the heavy man. Mm-hmm. And Leo's kind of the preppy one. You right. Know, he's the one that's like, you know, get get my bags. Get carry, my water. Where's that carry temperature? My, yeah, carry my shit. I mean, it, it is, it's not quite, you know, he's not his butler or anything like mm-hmm. that. But, I mean, he is carrying the shit because he knows who's who's making the money in this mm-hmm. relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so this was the same director of photography as Natural Born Killers and Casino. He's, he's worked on tons of A Few Good Men. Wow. Yeah, this guy is... He's got a good resume. Yeah, he does. Um, And uh, that's about... I mean, still very impressed with uh, Robert Richardson as a cinematographer. So... Hmm. um, Oh! oh, We have a little technical difficulties. All good. You good. Apologize for that. Um, Who else? Anything else we need to talk about this from a non... What about uh, Maggie? Or is that... Margot Robbie. Margot. That's right. Margot Robbie is Sharon Tate. I have some interesting things to say about her performance. Um, Margot Robbie obviously is uh, phenomenal in just about anything she's in. I don't think she's a bad actress at all. Mm-hmm. That The uh, direction in this is very much... I want to say they don't give her much to do. Interesting. I felt like she would have played a bigger role then. She is in the movie a lot, but in the course of what's going on, of the main plot line being up here, she is just right here, mm-hmm. a neighbor the entire time. Mm-hmm. And when they start to become sort of a connection, like, connection right there, they're like, skirt. Uh-huh. And so when they introduce her character, I'll tell you, it feels very much like Chekhov's gun. It's like, when is that gun going to go off? Mm-hmm. When is the... You know, when's the pot going to blow? Mm-hmm. And seeing her character, who she's interacting with, Roman Polanski and Sharon Tate, are you aware of what happened? Uh, no. Okay, so for uh, the sake of people that don't know what happened, something something rather tragic happens to the Polanski family. Mm-hmm. And this movie is just... In a way that, you know, Inglorious Bastards went back and changed history, mm-hmm. this movie is um, is fiddling with it, is what I would say. Oh, uh, okay, okay. It's so, kind of the backdrop for the movie. Right, right. It's very much a uh, place mm-hmm. and time setting. Mm-hmm. And you're like, if you as an audience know what's going to happen in the background, it's a totally different experience versus if you just think these people are just regular people. Oh, okay. Or, you Do you know, think that hinders if you don't know the background? It's going to be a completely different experience. So mm-hmm. not just saying the history. The, this movie really does require somewhat of a history lesson. Okay. Um, it, I felt in a way, even though I'm relatively versed, mm-hmm somewhat in film and cinema, mm-hmm. I would say I'm versed in 80s, 90s, 2000, 2010, and so on cinema. Mm-hmm. But you really got to have a, a grip for, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, kind of not just understanding um, what was going on at that time. Mm-hmm. I, I guess it's more like 50s, 60s. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of maybe putting putting too much in So you got to know the foundation. So yeah, of of just what was going on in in film. Though, numerous times I was sitting there thinking, while wow, they're talking, there there's two people that are, they're having an interesting conversation, and they're referring to someone else, or someone else, or something that happened, mm-hmm. and I'm like, damn, if I would have known what that event was, or who that person was, or what they did. It's a completely different story. It'll click a little bit better. You'd get the experience right. that he's going for. It's very much watching uh, the first Avengers mm-hmm. without seeing, you know, Any Iron the, Man yeah. 4 or yeah. the Hulk movies, you know? Yeah. Okay. You're, you're like, okay, I get it. You know, the, like you can watch it, but if you watch the others first, the experience is that much better. The thing is, there's not one one or two movies that I can say, you need to go back and watch this before you see this. So that's that's the uh, thing, you know? Okay. It's sort of in a way how you mentioned Stranger Things. Stranger Things is a combination of different things from the 80s. Mm-hmm. This feels like uh, an amalgamation of different things from the the 50s and 60s and 70s of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 
like I said, I can't tell you to go back and just watch one or two movies. Mm -hmm. I feel like you have to just know the history. And Mm -hmm. uh, there was specifically one scene there, like, it's this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. I was like, ooh, this is pretty interesting. And they actually take the time to say why these people are relevant. Oh, well, that's good. So doesn't leave the audience who doesn't, you know, gone back and, and, and reviewed it. It gives them a little bit of insight. Right, right. I, so he does take the time in one or two scenes to kind of explain these people's relevancy. Um, the narrative uh, through line is kind of weird. I don't really want to uh, kind of delve into it too much because it does touch into the, the spoiler section. Um, but that's probably the one thing about um, the movie is the narrative through line feels kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Like, and now, what do you mean by that? Narrative, narrative through, line, through line. Like, what am I supposed to be taking away from this movie? Ah, uh, what's the message? Right. What's the main point? Right. Yes. And the way they leave you is not... I'd say it's a more positive message than mm-hmm. Tarantino normally does. And I think that's why people are going to like it more than others. Mm-hmm. More than uh, some of his other movies. Because mm-hmm. I think the movies that he he ends on a much more positive or exciting note, mm-hmm. it you know people are like, damn, that was a good movie. Right. As opposed to kind of a downer. I felt like The Hateful Eight was a downer. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think going back to Django, I think that ending was was interesting. You know? Right, right. I think they tried to go off with a really big bang on that. I just wanted, yeah. I just wanted to run off into the sunset. I didn't need the... <laughs> the whole shebang. Yeah, I didn't and, need the whole... And everything. Sh- yeah. Mm-hmm. This definitely has a shebang in the end, okay. but not, not to that scale. So did it leave you satisfied? Is what you're. Uh, that's my, I guess that would be the question. I think so. Yes. Okay. I think so. Yes. Okay. Um, what you're I, saying the way he did it was a little bit unorthodox. Right. So. You. My thing is, you're going to enjoy the time that you're there. Mm-hmm. The thing is, this movie is going to play a lot differently if you're able to sit down um, with your friends or you, your girl, your guy, whoever you're mm-hmm. sitting with. Uh, yourself, it doesn't matter. So, you know, for those out there, I've seen yeah, them in the movies. No, I, 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 under, <laughs> I understand. I don't like people talking, so yeah, no, I so hear you. I, I'm one of those people. Whatever you're watching, whoever you're watching with, I think you're gonna enjoy it. Um, you know, grab your vice of choice. Uh, I always say, grab whatever you do, whatever you like, whatever you like. Yeah. Um, and I will say, I think this movie is gonna play better, uh, like on a. Uh, Netflix or something like mm-hmm. that because this is I'm thinking about it again I already want to just put it on in the background and just Have sit it. down and hang out with mm-hmm. these people again because mm-hmm. I think that's a lot of the appeal of Tarantino movies mm-hmm. is just uh, the dialogue the interaction mm-hmm. the experience you know mm-hmm. it's not so much uh, necessarily the uh, narrative story storyline because mm-hmm. um, I don't always think that that's always the tightest thing of his movies. Yeah. It's mostly the interaction between the people, you know? Right. Um, when I think of Pulp Fiction, I don't think of the the very end. I think of uh, Samuel L. and John Travolta, you Their know? Their chemistry. Yeah, like, I, I think of that. Uh, going along with some of the other things that Tarantino likes, good God, this man in feet. Are you... Are you feet. Are, the feet has been a, a theme. It is is so prevalent in this <laughs> i was in shock uh-huh i you know i had always thought you know like oh you know it's a joke everyone knows mm-hmm. tarantino has a thing for shooting feet mm-hmm. i just saw jackie brown and there's a a scene where she passes a cup or something and puts her toe like in the drink to pass it or something. <laughs> i was like oh. oh my goodness interesting uh, yeah interesting um, maybe it's his calling card or or you know his stamp i you know let him do that i know there was one I think he was in Till Dos, D- Dusk Till Dawn or something like that. I mm-hmm. think that vampire western movie mm-hmm. that I think like Selma Hayek has like her foot shoved up in his mouth or something like that. It's like seems like he, a fetish. Yeah, he's like oh. it's, 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 it's like way too much. To him. But uh, uh, mm. he's definitely got the foot thing going on here. Um, I think you're gonna get some excellent scenes both with uh, Leo. Brad Pitt, and uh, when they're separated, there's still a lot of a lot of good to have on screen. Um, I, I don't know if I like it more than Pulp Fiction. I don't. I don't think I like it more I think than Pulp Fiction. That's, I think Pulp Fiction. He was in his prime. Yeah, it was coming like his up first movie too. First movie, second movie, first or second movie. He, it's the first three. Yeah, the first three. Um, and but how'd you hear about uh, this movie? Because I I 
I remember going on Instagram and, and seeing the trailer just pop up. So I listened to a lot of uh, daily film podcasts and stuff like that. So I'd heard some uh, you know, rumors news. about it mm-hmm. and news about it. And I tried not to watch too much of the uh, trailers and teasers. But one thing about this movie is they have Leo in so many different costumes. He literally is in every costume you can think of, except for maybe a future costume. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, they might have even got him in that. I can't remember. <laughs> like a spacesuit. They put him in everything but a spacesuit. <laughs> um, but there was a lot of moments on the trailer I noticed that it made it seem like that was a big scene or something like that, and it's literally just a clip. I've noticed with trailers that, that they do that. You know, they kind of make it bigger than what it is right and you put it in context it's kind of it's like wait a second that wasn't even central yeah it's, it's kind of the thing that happened after that scene right right is what is central marvel's putting in full-on scenes in the uh trailer that aren't even in the movie interesting i mean infinity war i recall uh specifically the hulk is in the trailer he's he's going for thanos like he's not in that scene he's not in the he's scene. not in the scene mm-hmm. and he's uh yeah so i was just like I'm done with commercials and stuff like that. Uh, okay, okay. And so after going back and rewatching this, there's there's one specific scene that looks like Leo is doing a a, a musical, and I was actually kind of excited to see what Tarantino was going to do with this. It's nothing. It's not even. It's like what it could have been. It's like a clip. Mm. And so what it what it feels like is there are a lot of GIF or GIF worthy moments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And. I don't know if that's a new thing or something like that, um, but just kind of shooting something so that they have this reaction. Okay. And you can replay that reaction because there's a lot of great reactions and there's okay. a lot of great thing uh, meme-worthy. Right. Maybe um, he's playing scenes. into the culture of what what is prevalent nowadays Sp- with memes and gifs and, and how people use that. Speaking of culture, I, I'm glad you said that. I almost forgot it. Sort of in the editing there was actually one or two times I noticed that. Uh, do you, you do you recall? You haven't seen it probably in a while. Like sixties, fifties, sixties movies, mm-hmm. when they're editing and like the person like jumps real quick or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the Tarantino does it in this. Okay, and it's so just like so he's keeping it within the times. Yeah, I mean he he tries to have the editing in a style that is kind of in a fifty sixty style, which is kind of cool. Wow. Yeah, and. In this, you know, they're playing actors. He gets to, he gets to, he gets to shoot a western within this movie. So, the really cool thing about this movie, not only about a movie about making movies, just mm-hmm. being in Hollywood and stuff like that, you get to see the bad plot, you get to see the behind the scenes, that type of thing. But he's playing with being behind the scenes, shooting the scene, and and you think you're actually watching the actual movie. You mm-hmm. think you're watching, you know... What's being filmed. Right, right. And then all of a sudden, they'll break character, and all of a sudden, you're like, oh, shit, they were watching... They were filming a movie. They were filming a movie. Yeah, it yeah. plays on your uh, you know, yeah. mind. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, so there's a couple scenes like that, and um, I was talking about it in the Jackie Brown podcast, that that's why I like um, Tarantino, is because he subverts tropes. Mm-hmm. He, he immerses you. Right. He He takes you... On a journey, on a ride that you've never been on before, mm-hmm. keeps know. it fresh, right? Yeah. So I think that's why overall we like watching uh, Tarantino films. Mm-hmm. I actually saw a buddy of mine there at the theater, and uh, I saw the guy out of the corner of my eye. It looked like he had come down like twenty minutes into the movie. I was like, "This guy's late." I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> and so I talked to him outside. I realized it was my buddy, and he was like, uh, "Yes, yeah, my second time seeing it." I was like. Second time, it's Saturday. It's a Whoa. Saturday afternoon. Whoa, he just came in for round two. Yeah, I was like, damn, son. So, uh, I mean, there's people already out there that have seen it once, twice already. So Interesting. And, and you mentioned why he's, he's looking at it again. Uh, he just loves Tarantino movies, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but just talking about it with you, I want to put on a Tarantino movie just to sit, uh, not even sit down and watch, just hang out with it. Yeah, know? yeah. Because it's, it's that much fun for mm-hmm. me. Um, but yeah, overall, what what do you think? How do you, are you excited? I think based on what you said, you know, I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Um, it's his ninth. It's a it's a Tarantino movie. You kind of have an expectation, um, and I'm glad that you mentioned that the uh, narrative or the message 
at the end gives you that satisfaction. Because mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes you look for it and it, and it may fall short. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm glad that he kept going. Because all these movies in the past have had these messages. You know, Pulp Fiction, that last ending is mm-hmm. incredible. You go to Inglorious Bastards, you go to Django. And I'm glad that he's keeping with his style. Not trying to mix it and go a little bit beyond what he's used to. So, mm-hmm. um, And I think the acting cast is a one so right uh i'm excited there's i I, i'd say probably the only thing my only gripe would be occasionally it felt like there were scenes that were left in there that a normal director would have had cut or the studio would have said you got to cut this Mm kind of like a filler right well not only it's not necessarily a filler it's filler makes it feel like they're just filling out the time Mm mm-hmm this feels somewhere between filler and self-indulgent. Mm. Filler means we don't have enough movie, so we got to put some bullshit in there. Oh, okay, okay. It's not bullshit. It's versus Tarantino's like, I really need the scene, man. You know, this is this, 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 this is part of my scene, vision, man. Yeah, you don't really understand. It's like, it's like <laughs> one of those things, man. And yeah, so, uh, <laughs> that was a good impression. <laughs> yeah. He apparently he's like it's a little cool, daddy o. You know. Well, I have one question: is is he in the movie? Because a lot of his previous ones, you, I had no idea, but he's he's in some of them. Some might consider that a spoiler. Okay, okay, so we'll leave that for so for I'll, the next I'll, segue. I'll, I'll I'll shake my head yes or no. Okay. Okay. To my knowledge. Okay. Uh, so, um, let me see. That's like a little Easter egg. I just felt like I needed to, oh, yeah, to, yeah. to ask. Um, there's definitely Easter eggs in there, and there's probably things that I didn't see. Um, anything else? Eh. I'm trying to dance around any like spoilers. Um, you're where, eh? Charles Manson. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in the movie. I don't. Okay. I don't really want to touch too much on it because spoilers. So it touches on pop culture. Yes. It, it, I, like a lot of. I don't know just about pop. I don't know if that's pop culture, but. Um, uh-huh. It's definitely culture. Culture. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's popular. History. It's, it's history. It's something yeah. that was uh, yeah. relevant at the time. Right. Um, yeah. So, overall, um, it was excellent. I'd say they probably shot. It looked like they shot. A, it had to have been 20 separate mini movies hmm. of Leo doing other shit. Because they keep flashing to him doing other films. And they're like, oh, remember I was in this movie? Suddenly he's with Nazis, you know, killing Nazis. So it'll flash it back. It'll flash it. It'll be like, oh, yeah, I did this one film. And he's like shooting people in a, you know, out of a car, out of the trunk of a car or something like that. Just crazy shit. Um, Yeah. So in in like that uh, musical scene, Mm -hmm. like he's dancing with some girls with some pom poms. It's like they got him in every single (laughs) fucking outfit they had. They're like, this one, this one, this one, this one. They had him in Western. They had him in this. Um and uh, I kind of forgot what he actually, he, he had like an Elton John phase kind of going on. <laughs> it was insane. It was a lot going on. But um, yeah, so you might maybe brushing up the history of the Manson stuff and a little bit of the Burt Reynolds stuff probably is your best go-to to understand mm-hmm. relevancy in time mm-hmm. and maybe, you know, Sharon Tate. Um but yeah, I, I was, I enjoyed it. Okay. And I enjoyed it a lot. I think that it's not for everybody. Interesting. I think my my uh, my girlfriend uh, was probably you know Kelly was kind of like, it was good, but you know if if you're tired at all, you're gonna be kind of like um, um you know you, let's just say you're gonna want some caffeine. Okay. Don't have a big drink. Okay. Um, you know, cause it's two, two and a half plus hours. You don't want to walk out of that. No. Um, so and you don't want to be thinking about it. So yeah. Um, you know what to do properly go prepared. Yeah. Um, other than that, I think everyone's going to enjoy this. Um, if so you, it's a recommend, it's definitely recommend if you're a Quentin Tarantino film fan, mm-hmm. if you are just a regular movie goer, it might be slightly more polarizing because you might not see the 
appreciate what he brings. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. Because mm-hmm. I, I do think it takes a level of appreciation to say, wow, that was a difficult shot to do, or wow, that's different. And sometimes I feel like only as a, uh, a in a director's eyes that you can really see that sometimes. Right. So if you're just like the regular movie guy, you're like, hmm. I'm wondering if someone's going to shoot somebody. You know, it's like... Kind of waiting for the action. Kind of waiting for more of a narrative uh, drive to kick in. Mm-hmm. It's it's a slow burn. I would definitely call it a slow burn. Oh, interesting. Yeah. A I, good I, way to characterize it. Yeah. I don't I don't want to say that it's uh, guns blazing, shoot them up, Reservoir dog style, you know? I do think that it's 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 a casual drive in, in the Hollywood Hills. Okay. And... It's enjoyable, but you know it's a drive. You know it's. But the story is good. The writing. The the writing's excellent. I okay. love it. The thing is, I I think by the end of the movie you're going to be enjoying hanging out with these guys so much mm-hmm. that it's like I want more. Oh, okay. So I think if a uh, a movie can leave you in a way that you're like, oh shit, I want more. I I think it's done its job. Okay. So interesting. That's that's kind of how I'm selling it in a way because I I don't think I could go to every any average Joe and say, dude, you gotta see this shit. This is, the, this is the next shit. It's like a niche. It is a little bit of a niche, right. but I, I think that it, it takes a little level of appreciation to um, understand it and obviously a little bit of knowledge and stuff like that. I felt like I was sitting beside Kelly and I was like, I don't, I, I 100% know she has no idea what it means to, uh, she doesn't know about the Manson murders mm-hmm. and she was unfamiliar with who Roman Polanski is mm-hmm. and um, they are just, it's a different experience if you're unfamiliar with the history. Okay. So okay. everyone's going to have a different experience, to, okay. you know, depending on where you came from, especially if you're a Tarantino fan. So mm-hmm. I think, like I said, if you are, I think you're really going to like it. Okay. So yeah, Jay, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. This is the first of hopefully many. Yeah, I'd love to have you on anytime. It was an excellent uh, cast, and uh, I'm going to have to hop on to the uh, spoiler section here without you. I'll Get it when you're out of here. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it um, in the future. Yeah, after dude. I go see it. If you want to uh, hop on the podcast and give your uh, official official uh, opinion opinion on uh, the spoiler section, you just uh, yeah. give me a call. And we'll get you back on, or yeah. whenever you come over, um, add it to the end of the podcast, and we'll make get, it happen. We'll get Jay's thoughts. We'll get Jay Jay Bird's. Oh, thoughts. Jay Bird's thoughts. Very <laughs> good. Jay, thank you for coming through. Amen. Thank you. Take it easy. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Part 2. So Jay's left. Jay has left the building. He's going to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I went ahead and checked out a little bit of behind-the-scenes information regarding Margot Robbie's character, uh, Sharon Tate. And I might have said Shannon Tate in a couple of these takes, and I apologize for that. It's a Sharon Marie Tate Polanski, born January 24th, 1943, died August 9th, 1969. So, um, here's a little bit of the wiki information. Uh, Sharon Tate was an American actress and model. In the 60s, she played small television roles before appearing in films and regular, regularly featured in uh, fashion magazines as a model and cover girl. After receiving numerous positive reviews for her comedic and dramatic acting performances, Tate was hailed as one of Hollywood's most promising newcomers. Continuing... On January 20th, 1968, Tate married Roman Polanski, her director and co-star in 1967's The Fearless Vampire Killers. On August 9th, 1969, Tate and four others were murdered by members of the Manson family in the home she shared with Polanski. At the time of her death, she was eight and a half months pregnant with the couple's son. So, 
I wanted to give a little bit of background to a character that had a seemingly big role in this movie, but not so much much to do with it, honestly. Um, Margot Robbie, I think, did an excellent performance with Sharon Tate. The problem is, over half the movie, we are just watching her kind of just fondle around town, boggle down, just down the street, kind of ogling her body and, you know, just looking at her, just, you know, check out downtown Hollywood. And, you know, she's a gorgeous person. Quentin Tarantino and his cinematographer and his, uh, you know, lighting crew and everybody do an excellent job, you know, making all making sure all of the you know sections and corners of the screen look right on this 95 million dollar budget my god that's kind of high um but yeah she's honestly not doing much and she's much more of a plot device than she is a character and if i i think that's the way i'm going to describe her unfortunately they don't allow her to do too much except for go I, i'm sort of Jumping in, it's not really spoilers, but I'd, I'd say there's a large chunk she's not doing too much, and we're just watching her watch things. Um, there's one part where she's watching herself on screen, and it's actually Sharon Tate, and it's not Margot Robbie, which is it throws us as the character as the viewers off because we're looking for Margot Robbie to be as Sharon Tate in these recreations that she's watching. Similar to how Leo is Rick Dalton in these recreations or whatever. It it felt weird. I'm not sure if they ran out of budget and they just didn't have the budget to recreate some of Sharon Tate's movies so that it would make it look like Margot Robbie was in it or what. I, I really don't know what the deal was. Um, that was one thing. Th- there were a few things that just bothered me about the female characters in this. And that was the fact that they were they're kind of underwritten. Um, as well as the diversity. My God, the diversity. And uh, I, I mean... I guess the race remarks in this are sort of prevalent, but it could have been much more, is what I, I would say. Um, I, I kind of want to jump into spoilers now. So let's jump into spoilers. We're going to talk about the additional people that are in this um, in this movie. Let me see. So we have tons of other people in this uh, cast that I didn't mention. Maya Hawke plays uh, Fly, uh, Flower Child, who is Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke's uh, child, who's also in Stranger Things. My God. She does really good, but she doesn't have terribly that much to do. She's She has a lot more to do in uh, Stranger Things. Really good in that. Um, Austin Butler plays Tex. Sydney Sweeney plays Snake. Margaret Qualley plays uh, Pussycat. Margaret Qualley does a lot with this role. I think she really eats up the the this, the flitziness, or I, I don't really know what the word is that she was really doing, but she was playing it up, is what I'd say. Dakota Fanning has one really intense fucking scene that I, I'd say that just kind of blows me away. Um, Timothy Oliphant is James Stacy. I loved his. Uh, his kind of like straight man role he had to play against uh, Rick Dalton. I was that I think I was laughing the hardest during those those takes. Um, Al Pacino, he's okay in this as Marvin Schwartz. Schwartz, I I just don't. He was he was kind of a sleeper uh, for me, and I I don't know if it was just the way that it was being things were being told or the way the the message was being the the story was being unraveled because i i felt like i was like i don't know about this i don't i'm I'm not really grasping or understanding or caring about the people he's talking about because i'm not really from that era i guess so the things he was doing were very insane were very specific to his place and time so I, i it was hard to grasp on but other than that we had uh Kevin Smith's daughter was in this Harley Quinn Smith, this Froggy. Um, she didn't. I don't remember having too many lines, unfortunately. Kurt Russell is Randy. He's also the narrator in this. I've, I didn't really mention the narrator to Jay, but Kurt Russell is the narrator. He's good in it, just as always. Um, he's got a small role within the film, uh, kind of playing the straight man again. 
Damon uh, Her- Herman plays Charles Manson, basically in just like one scene. We're, we're in spoilers now, so I expect you to have seen everything. He's only in one scene, but I mean, he gives uh, you the chills in the willies. Um, Luke Perry, I think this is one of Luke Perry's last roles. I didn't get to experience too much of Luke Perry's uh, filmography or uh, uh, previous work. So this is some of my first work I've seen him in. I, I'm I'm sorry to say, um, he's he's excellent in this. I, I I wish that we could only have him more. I think this was his probably his last role as um, uh, he played Wayne Milder in in the western, and um, he he's excellent in this. Um, who do we else we have? Damian Lewis as Steve McQueen. I was. I'm not too familiar with who Steve McQueen is as a uh, as an as an actor. I understand uh, from IMDb he's the ultra cool male film star in the '60s that spent uh, troubled youth in reform schools and um, into being the world's most popular actor. So he was he had a troubled youth and he went to. Uh, be a popular actor over 25 years after his untimely death of melothesioma in 1980. Steve McQueen is still considered hip and cool, and he endures as an icon of pop culture. So he plays a relatively uh, a quick scene in this. He kind of does some explanation between... Um, one of the characters that is kind of playing a proxy for us because for many people we don't know if we're unfamiliar with the Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski and Jay Sebring um, connection he is the one that is giving some big explanation for us I will say this last third of the movie required tons of exposition I would say maybe a little bit more than necessary um Let's see. Any other? Uh, we had Emil Hershich. Hershich. Herkish. Hershish? Whatever the fuck. Um, uh, Emil Hershish. I'm going to just gonna say that. It's a hard name to say. As uh, Jay Sebring. Apparently, in real life, Jay Sebring, Sharon Tate, and several others were the ones that were murdered. Which I find interesting that Rick Dalton ends up going to hang out with them ultimately after everything is said and done. I I don't know what the message is from that. There's so much of the story that revolves around seeing Sharon Tate and seeing Jay Sebring and all of these other characters in parallel having a story to what we're watching, this, uh, you know, the Rick Dalton and Cliff stuff. But ultimately... I feel like their plot lines never really converge in a way that makes it feel like a satisfying narrative, um, which I'm going to say might be a problem for some. I think the way that it kind of... It sort of felt like if we're going... Say we're going to the movies, and it's really packed, and there's two spots down really close to the, you know, really close to where you need to get out. And instead of Tarantino taking us where you would naturally think is the closest place, you know, you would think he would naturally go to the closest location to the door. It felt like Tarantino kind of stopped short and turned early and decided to park, you know, several feet further back than he needed to. Something in that kind of range, if that makes sense. I felt like... The turn, I I was loving the way it was ending, and looking back on it, I, I really did like the way it ends, with the exception of him turning and going up the hill to go hang out with Sharon Tate and the gang. I always, I, I'm very aware of how it, this was basically the Manson murders turned on its head, and, it, and they attacked... Um, they attacked Rick instead, Rick and Dalton, but it was in a way that was, um, 
I mean, they set it up earlier in the movie that, you know, the ranch that Cliff had stumbled upon, what was going on there, and kind of the the craziness all in that, and that there was probably some of these crazy kids, and that was the most interesting part of the suspenseful part of the narrative. But I don't know if they set up that these kids were looking for... um, uh, it, that these kids were going back and looking for them. I it, having them come back in the very last act felt kind of predictable in a way. I I remember seeing Cliff walk down the street and him getting ready to take the acid, and I was trying to connect all the pieces that Tarantino had given us. You know, we we had the acid cigarette, we had the dog, we had um, we had the the Manson family. And then we had the Sharon Tate. We had all of this going on. And then on top of that, I had heard that there was a craziness at the last 20 to 30 minutes of this film. And so I was thinking, oh, my gosh, some shit is about to go down. And so I was like, the only thing that, you know, logically makes sense is to have that car pass Cliff as he's walking down. And honestly, I thought we were going to get way more of a trip scene. I'm kind of glad that we didn't. We, you know, we just saw him tripping, uh, Cliff tripping. But, um. I just, I was like, okay, I see this car coming up, and the way that the car came up, I mean, it looked creepy as fuck, I mean, it just has, like, this this puffing smoke coming out of there, uh, it's like, almost like a fog machine coming out the back of it, and it's slow and, uh, creeping, and, uh, I, I loved how everything was executed, majority, except for once the craziness went down, I started, it was, like, scary, but I was also laughing, but I was also scared, but I was also laughing. I was like, oh my gosh, don't get shot, don't get shot, don't get shot. Um, I was like, I, you know, I want these characters to live. And, um, yeah, it was, um, it was a pretty crazy ending. I, I found it interesting that they had Maya Hawke's character take the car away and, uh, you know, leave so that she didn't end up committing anything. Um... Tex, all of these characters apparently were real names and real, they were based off of real characters. And so, uh, like Tex, I believe, is still in the penitentiary and stuff like that. And some of the other people that were involved in this either have died, passed on, or are still in jail. And, uh, yeah, it's, it, it was a real, some real shit went down. Um, couple things. I don't know if I talked enough about the music. I love the music choices, but it almost started to feel almost like, Mic drop after mic drop after mic drop. Or sorry, needle drop. I kept saying mic drop. It's needle drop after needle drop after. So it felt like almost every other scene we were getting another song. And they're playing a good chunk of it too. Nothing inherently wrong with that. But if we're not getting enough plot, you know, interwoven into it, it starts to become a little bit more obvious about we were just playing music that we like, you know, the director likes to hear. Um, anything else? A couple of times I noticed, uh, <laughs> Tarantino kind of ogling at the merchandise and stuff that he had created on the wall for his characters. And I felt it slightly self-indulgent in some scenes. I was like, okay, you know, I, I enjoy seeing some of the detail that, you know, the production has done, but just leave the camera on something sort of like you used to and let me just soak in the scene let me look behind you instead of uh, instead of having to move the camera all over behind the scene so we can see everything going on i i enjoy when a director can just leave the camera in one place or just subtly move it so i'm not constantly having to look look at all different things i like kind of playing you know i spy and say ooh what is that in the back you know um so, you know that kind of thing Brad Pitt's character was such a badass in this. I kind of, uh, though, there's one scene when he's on the roof and he's going to fix the antenna for Rick, and he's like, he takes his shirt off for absolutely no reason. He's just like, oh, I'm a ripped 55 year old dude, and I'm just gonna, you know, take the shirt off. I mean, I guess I would if I looked like that, but <laughs> I thought that Sharon Tate was gonna see him on the roof or something like that, or there's gonna be some sort of connection. It felt like there was an much of a connection and that was another missed opportunity um i guess one of the 
main things is that they, I guess the action that, one of the things that I noticed in the, the movie was that when they're having a lot of action go on or suspense, honestly, Leo and Brad aren't together in those scenes. They're excellent actors and everything, but I wanted them kind of bouncing off of each other just a tad bit more. I know they're in tons of the movie together talking and you know, excited, this, that, and the other, getting drunk, this. Um, but I didn't get that uh, Pulp Fiction style of bouncing off each other, just having great dialogue, just hanging out, that type of thing. I felt like it was so focused within the job, I, I guess I didn't really get to... Um, indulge as much i'm i'm definitely gonna have to do a rewatch to see how i like the storytelling of this versus his other ones but i think that's the only thing is they just like the the last sorry my stomach's rumbling the last um what's it called uh 20 20 minutes that's so crazy they're not even in the same scene. I mean, they're they're in the same scene, but they're not even in the same room, so that they don't really see what happens to the other. And I wanted them to have kind of a little bit more, like, you know, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. You know, I, in sort of the Twenty One Jump Street style of them, you know, working together a little bit more. I felt like there was very much okay. Leo's over here. Brad is over here. We need to use their talents accordingly. So I loved the. Chore choreography of how Brad Pitt's character Cliff is just a badass in the end. You know, whacker with the can straight to the dome. Uh, a attack dog, attack dog. Can we get the dog a medal? I mean, that's the best dog of the year. Freaking rip the nuts off of Tex. And uh, then the other lady that was about to get attacked, she gets fucked up by. Um, Leo's wife, um, Rick Dalton's wife, which again, another female character who is under seriously underwritten into a, a degree that she, we don't even know what she's saying. She's, I think she's speaking Italian and she's just, it, it's used as somewhat a joke of her just rambling off in a, you know, a language that if you're speaking, if you only speak English, then, or just, if you don't speak Italian, then you're not going to understand. So it's used as somewhat a joke. So, um, yeah, I would say that, it, it, and that's another that's another thing. I guess, what are we supposed to get from the character, the Rick Dalton character? Because he's kind of a shit. He's kind of an asshole. He he really just is self absorbed in a way that I, I guess you could see a lot of stars being in a way. But and and he makes you know Cliff carry most of his shit. But what does it say about? you know, almost being attacked by the Manson family, or being attacked by the Manson family, and you're outside talking to Jay Sebring and Sharon Tate instead of comforting your wife. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Something about that the last little bit when he brings out the the flamethrower that he killed with the Nazis at the beginning, which was a hilarious scene at the beginning, I will say. Out of all those clips that we we watched Leo do, I mean, we watched like twenty mini movies of Leo doing shit, you know, the flamethrower, the 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 Smokey and the Bandit type shit. Um, but I was <laughs> I was just like, after you roast somebody in the back of. In in the back of your house, in the backyard, I don't think you want to go party at Sharon Tate's house. <laughs> I, like, I, that's what you care about at the end. It's like, okay, so he finally got invited to the party. That's the it's the one thing that the one through line, and, and so that that was the only thing. I didn't feel like there was a cohesive storyline or cohesive through line, like Pulp Fiction or or like Jackie Brown. I love the end of Jackie Brown because I really feel like there is. You know, they, he made the present and he wrapped the bow and it's perfect right on the dot. The cherry is on the top. I felt like there's no cherry on the top of this. This feels like uh, someone ate the cherry on the top uh, for me. It, and it's um, kind of unfortunate in a way because I wanted it to be the cherry on the top. I might listen to a few podcasts. I might lis listen to some uh, behind the scenes, watch some behind the scenes 
and uh, gain more appreciation for this film. I, I guarantee you that my opinion will be subject to change. I mean, most of my opinions do. Sometimes I like things more or less and or understand things better more or less. I sometimes add um, commentary in the show notes that uh, I, I, didn't, I don't know currently right now. I might be, oh, shit, you know, did you know, blah, 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 blah. So all of that is subject to change. But other than that, I think that I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10 because I, I really enjoyed it, although I don't think it's perfect. It's probably got top five of um, 2019 because I do think this year has been very rough. Oh, my goodness. This uh, Especially this summer. I think it's probably got top summer movie. It's... Uh, I think I gave Endgame a nine as well, so it, it's every bit as good as um, that type of. I don't know if it's as tight as like an Endgame storytell, and that's kind of hard to compare. It's really not the same, but, um, but yeah, I I enjoyed it on that level. So I give it nine out of ten. So um, maybe closer to an eight out of ten, but I'm just gonna give it a nine because I I think it, it really deserves it on the level just because of the performances. Um, yeah. So thank you for listening to the Lucky Dog Podcast. Check out all the other Lucky Dog Podcasts that we have coming down the tube. We've already released the Jackie Brown, Quentin Tarantino movie uh, review. It's uh, Jackie Brown's one of my favorites. Um, I, you know, go back and check that out. You'll learn a lot more about that. You'll learn a little bit more about the other movies he's produced. Um, if you like uh, television, we're working on Money Heist, that is the Spanish Bank Heist series on Netflix. Um, very, um, very interesting to watch the third season, especially they've got new voice dubs. It's kind of weird. Um, what else do we have? Stranger Things, season three review already out. So be sure to check all these new podcasts coming down the tube. Um, this podcast could not be produced without you the listener so thank you for listening no matter where you are in the world um we couldn't do this without without you follow us on all the social medias below we have the facebook the instagrams the what's it called the uh the paypals the whatever whatever the kids are using these days we're on it we're on the apple podcast and we have a cast box i'm pretty sure we're on google play and soundcloud that is where you're going to find all of the main feeds so be sure to subscribe no matter where you are and uh comments questions concerns the lucky dog podcast at gmail.com thank you for listening and take it easy I can all change like that. Hey, you're Rick fucking Dalton. Don't you forget it.